Good morning, folks. Sinian Kuala. That's all I know. <laughs> but I think it's good enough to greet you on this second day of the new year. I'm sure like many of you are in red. I try to be in red, but turn out this color. Well, this is how we see the Chinese tradition comes to us. And I would like to make some meditation on this together. So let us look at the scripture first. Can I have the scripture on? And you can see it's taken from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 10. If you can, read with me, can? O ye are my witnesses, said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be any other. The next text is from the New Testament, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all, and in Samaria. And to the other parts of the world. Chapter 5, verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom and obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God our Father, we open our hearts to you and thank you for anointing us with the worship. Recognizing you deserve all that from us, knowing that we belong to you, and you belong to us. And so at this moment of meditation, we just pray the Spirit himself will truly come and minister this session to us, helping us to know what it means to be your witness. In Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen. Okay, as you know and I know that this Lunar New Year, not only this year, previous year and year to come, has been a great auspicious year for uh, the Chinese community. Normally you can see very colourful, decorated and celebrated with all the goodies and so on. And in, main, in mainland China, they have very originated. It tied in with what they call the Spring Festival, where we welcome the season of spring all together at this season of the year. And it's so different from the calendar year that we have. Uh, it's already January, January 26, all right? But to the Chinese calendar, this is really the first day of the calendar year. And you know that in this celebration, uh, throughout uh, thousands of years has been preserved, kept and observed very well by the Chinese community and is still ongoing even right to the 21st century alright, remember my grandparents, my parents myself and now my kids and their kids we are still having this celebration together then we realize, regardless how we uh, celebrate 
you know, uh, different manner or in different places. Uh, this period of the year remained a very family-knitted pro- uh, program together with a connection, uh, sharing with gifts, wishes, and so on. And of course, you can see millions of Chinese uh, making their way back to the village of hometown for this great occasion, what they call really the reunion get-together. But, unfortunately, just a week before, we have this uh, unwanted, I will call it an unwanted and unwelcome virus uh, floating around, infecting many countries. Uh, now you know how to track the Chinese. It pop up in USA, it pop up in Australia, and I just discovered it pop up in Malaysia, uh, where we are going to go soon, uh, hoping uh, hopefully nothing else. But here is a very unwelcome situation that we've seen over this period of time. You can see many places in China have shut down and confined them. They discovered also from the media that China trying to build a hospital to house these patients to be, or whatever, for 800 to 1,000 people just within one week. I'm interested to see how within one week they can build a hospital that can house 800 to 1,000 patients. All right, I'm sure. Given the will, they were able to do it. So, folks, we need to pray very hard for China, and even ourselves and this part of the world, for this infected uh, virus going on. But I was preparing, so I want to make some cross-reference point with this meditation about the Lunar New Year celebration, especially thinking of the Chinese community who has preserved this tradition so well and is so good. Uh, over the years, uh, nothing has changed much, but maybe with the goodies that come along, uh, we know Singaporeans are rushing for the pakwa, a long queue for that. Our, our time, uh, we seldom had this kind of long queue. Uh, nowadays, it's uh, popping up with this uh, festival, with all this celebration. But in short, you realize this is really a festival celebrated under a family, like under one big roof, the Chinese community. You go to London, Chinatown, they will be there. New York, Chinatown, they will be there. Australia, Chinatown, you'll be there, and so on. And even in Singapore, we have our Chinatown. So really like celebrating under one big roof. But as you look at the scripture, and biblically speaking, we realize the scripture has this trend and the teaching of the family bonding, family imparting of the tradition, and a family connection, leading into a family worship. And this is how I will like us to look into it this morning, that we have a special relationship with God the Almighty. And uh, this is really slightly different from the Chinese tradition, and I will call it a spiritual favor of God upon God's people in this beautiful tradition that we have, learning from the scripture. 
Uh, draw your attention to the book in the Old Testament called Deuteronomy, chapter 6, uh, verses 4 to 12. Uh, let me read to you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is how I started to acknowledge God in the lives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be your heart, on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols of your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Look at it, folks. The teaching of the Lord will be with the family from young to old. And they must be seen visibly with their body everywhere they go. Just like a banner in the house. But with God's word and God's teaching. And they must not forget what the Lord has uh, taught them. Just like in verse 12, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of land of slavery. So here was a history they had experienced and they are asked to do this so that they will not forget what the Lord has done to them. So lo and behold, you see this teaching is very great and they are asked not to forget what they have gone through and to ensure that they pass on to one generation to another and another. And the Israelites were asked to keep and preserve this whenever they can. And so when you read Isaiah as a text that comes to us this morning, 430, uh, chapter 43, verse 10, which says, You are my witnesses, said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, understand I am he. Before me there was no God form, neither shall there be after me. Very inclusive, the Lord said. You have known me, and you are now my witnesses. You continue to do this so that you will not forget what I've done to you. So with a short meditation this morning, our YouTube lessons to highlight this point with us, that looking from the Old Testament point of view, we are witnesses. The Lord God said, you are my witnesses. The second point is from the New Testament point of view, that we are his first-hand witness or witnesses. There's a slight difference here in the sense that in the past, they are witnesses in the sense they have seen. In the New Testament, they have the first encounter with God themselves. So we ask ourselves this morning, witness over what? We are witness over what? Look at the Old Testament. Just to draw our kind of uh, memory back, that the events that happened in the book of Exodus, you know, from Moses, uh, from Joseph's time, they all settled in Egypt. But when they come of age, those pharaohs do not know Joseph, and the Israelites became slaves in the country. But when you look at the book of Exodus, especially at chapter 3, 
they talk about asking God to de- de- deliver them. But here from the book of Exodus, you discover the wonderful work that God has done for them, that how God had led them out from the Egyptian court uh, to a land that promised with milk and honey. And you can see from chapter 3 onward, they call on God to deliver them, and Moses was chosen to be the leader to lead them out. At the same time, when they were making their way out, God revealed to them many miracles, like revealed to them uh, to a way to pursue Pharaoh the king to let them go, uh, using the templates until the last one, when the firstborn was dead in the Egyptian court, then Pharaoh willing to let them go. And to the point even when to pursue them at the crossing of the Red Sea, and God stopped them. And here you realize the presence of God was with them. Uh, even in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, it says that day and night, the Lord revealed to them in the leading. In the daytime, there will be a pillar of crowd showing them the direction. And when the night time comes, there's a pillar of fire. God is very fair. You know, the daytime, you don't need fire or light. You already a sunlight there. You just see the cloud, the pillar of cloud. You follow it. And night is so dark, God revealed to them with a pillar of fire. You just follow. And so here's a picture to reveal to us that God has been with them day and night. Not only the daytime, but nighttime to lead the people. Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22 will say, by the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to keep them light so that they could travel by day and night. Neither the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Short and sweet, so to sweet, that the companionship of God was with them. Never leave them. So it's a picture that really given to us, the God that you and I embrace and worship has been a very personal God. He is not <clears throat> just sitting at a high cloud above, but He is down to earth, leading us, watching over us, directing and protecting us. So here is a testimony that Moses and the people had gone through in the wilderness. And so in the Old Testament, we already learned that our God is a personal and relational God with them. Therefore, no surprise to read in Isaiah 43, verse 10, we say, the people reminded of the role before God that you are my witnesses. You have seen what I've done for you in what you have gone through. So God expects the people to pass that experience, the encounter, the breakers and witness to one generation to another. Just to draw a comparison, how we see Chinese New Year with us. My grandparents, literally from China, Guangdong, Cantonese. Alright, many of us are in, in that form of another part of China. Then came my father in Singapore. Then myself, my children, children. So my father, first generation Singaporean. 
me second generation Singaporean. But the tradition we get from the mainland China is with us folks. So here is a quite interesting to draw the example of how one generation to another in that tradition. But unfortunately different from the biblical experience about God in our midst. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to verse 22. Let me just summarize a bit here. That we are now members of a household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. So here we learn that under God's leading, we live by His grace and mercy. As God's people, covered by the Spirit of blessing by Him. So here we learn from the New Testament that how Paul also writes about this connection that we have with God. So here we come back to the Old Testament. The Isaiah reminded the people, you are my weaknesses. You can't deny it, neither can you run away. Imprint it into your children's, children's life, that what you have gone through. Preserve it, keep it as you go along your life, from one generation to another. For you are my weaknesses. The call to be God's people is very clear. The second lesson for us to take note in the New Testament context is you are the first-hand witness. Because now the Lord has revealed himself to the people. We know he comes to save us and we experience his saving grace. And therefore we are asked to go to the world to share God's mission to one and all. That Jesus Christ has offered his life for us on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but eternal life. Life that is after death. That's where you and I are going to tell people about Jesus. Therefore, in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus left the people, he gave this exhortation, that you shall receive power, that after the Holy Ghost upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and unto the outer part of the earth. The Lord say, I'm leaving you, but I leave you this mission. Go into every part of the world. Starting where you are, to your neighbor, and to far beyond the neighbor that you have. So the gospel for us folks this morning, a timely reminder that we're not only just to keep it for ourselves, but to share and go beyond. And true enough, you can see the life of Peter and and his friend of the disciples of Jesus was so touched at the book of Acts. You can see their life was transformed. When Jesus said they'd be filled with the Spirit, they became so bold 
and courageous. They went round. But the authorities, somehow, in the setting, questioned them as they proclaimed the, the gospel. Therefore, in chapter 5, verse 30 and 32, will say, Peter and the disciples, when they are questioned by the authority, they declare, we only obey God and not men. They were here to obey God and not men. For we are his witnesses of these things, so it is the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. And Paul, uh, Peter and his friends took upon themselves the weaknesses of Jesus, for they have seen him right to the beginning that Jesus was them. And even later when Paul joined the rank, consider the apostles, the great apostles of Jesus, that during Paul's conversion, you know, the Lord spoke to him and said, Saul, what's original name, why do you persecute me? Then Saul said, who are you? Lord Jesus. And Saul bowed before the Lord. Got converted. And then in Acts chapter 22, verse 15, when Paul was prayed by the old man, Ananias, Ananias reminded him, For you, Paul, shall be witness unto men what you have seen and heard. Don't forget your encounter with Jesus. That's a reminder Ananias given to Paul at that moment. We pause for a moment at this time. We ask ourselves, aren't you a witness of Jesus? I am. I'm sure many of us who had the encounter with Jesus, the way he saved us, the way he opened our hearts to him, the way that he led us to him, the way he put us into worship. That is Jesus. We are his witnesses to his saving grace, and I'm so glad we are. And we'll go out to tell the world about the same Jesus that you so encountered. The question we ask ourselves is bear in mind being a Christian or witness. Somebody writes it beautifully, it says it means to give a testimony that is based on a personal knowledge. He must not tell what he thinks or suppose overhears, but he must be a counter, a personal encounter that he and she has gone through with Jesus. It must be his first encounter with Jesus. God's plan, therefore, for us, that every one of us who love him and belong to him, to tell what you have seen and heard, or what he knows about his saving grace. But notice the word testimony must be centered on Jesus, that you will be my witnesses. Bearing in mind that we are not here to tell people about our denomination. How many of you are Methodists here, folks? We are. Thank God you are. But first, we are the Christian, God's people. And but to the Methodist Church, we are reached out by the Methodist Church. I'm also glad that my first church is a Methodist Church until now. And I tell myself, i got some Methodist blood with me. 
But here you write. You are in a Methodist church, but we are not here to say about the Methodist church. We thank God for John Wesley, the conversion that he experienced before God. But we are here to tell people how God has changed our life, has redeemed us, has led us, convicted us, especially our wrongdoing, our sins, and the way that we need to return to Him. So we are here not to witness about denomination or movement or society or system, but to the glorious person of Jesus Christ. So notice that here is not just a matter of telling people, but living out that testimony in your life. We are not just perhaps using our lip services for the Lord but we should demonstrate live by what you say and say what you live about the faith that God has given to us. I want to share this story, the testimony, a beautiful testimony of Johnny Erickson Tada. I'm sure some of you may have read her testimony or seen her movie a very touching one. You can see the photo that she is on with painting to the mouth simply because she's a disabled person confined with a chair. At the same time, she be well known as the author, speaker, and an international advocate for disabled people. The story says that Johnny lived a very active life through her growing years. She enjoyed uh, riding horses, hiking, tennis, swimming. In short, she was a very active person, like many of us, doing what you can. Then what happened was on July the 30th, 1967, when she was just 17 years old, she dived into a very shallow water, never noticed it was so shallow. As a result, hit her, fracture, backbone, fourth at the fifth level, became quadriplegic, paralyzed from the shoulders down. In other words, her arms, her legs were affected. She couldn't raise higher her hands. But thank God that she pulled through. After years of rehabilitation, she emerged with new skills and also new determination to live and to help others who could be like her. So together with friends, she started a ministry called Her Ministry. Johnny and friends. And in this ministry, I'm sure you may have come across a movie by herself, uh, speeches that she given, helping and training of churches to minister to those disabled people. Uh, she has written 45 books. Great lady. Including God Weeps, Glorious Intruder, and the place of healing. I haven't got a chance to touch her book yet. 
But imagine, as a handicapped person or disabled person, she could manage to do all this before the Lord. In her biography, she says that she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thoughts and religious doubt. That she had gone through anything, that any person who had gone through such tragedy. Clearly to her is suicidal. No point in living, alright? But thank God that through her therapy, she learned to paint, you know, with the mouth, holding a brush. And her painting was so well received uh, that she could uh, minister herself well. And she even writes uh, the books that mention with a video and so on given to her. And it was said during the 50th anniversary of her tragedy, she learned something here. There's someone by the name of a brother called Steve uh, who shared a thought with her concerning her tragedy. And she wrote it at the reflection in the 50th anniversary. And she put it at 10 life-changing words for her. And that changing word was, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. It's hard to digest, right? God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God permits something, but yet he will accomplish what God loves. What the brother Steve explained to her, well, not really just a counsel or word, but to try to console her with her situation. And this is how Steve, the brother, would say, Johnny, God allows all sort of things happen. He doesn't approve. God hated torture, injustice, treason, but led to the crucifixion. Talk about the life of Jesus. But he permitted so the world through worst murder could become the world's only salvation. God may not really have a plan or happy to put Jesus on the cross. But because of his death, the world is saved by his death. And God allows. So in a sense, the death of Jesus has accomplished the desire of God to save the world. And in that sense, it has touched Johnny in the life that he re- she realizes that God's hate spinal cord injury, yet he permitted it for the sake of Christ in her as well as with others. And continue her testimony, she writes, This wheelchair, as she sits on, to me used to be symbolized alienation and confinement, but God had exchanged meaning because I trusted in Him. Now, this wheelchair to me is a symbol of independence and freedom and mobility. It's a choice I make, he 
It's a choice you can make too. You weren't able to make it overnight, some of you. Talking about herself. It will be a long, hard haul for a few of you. There will be a dark days where you will ask questions not out of a searching heart, but you will voice them out of a cringe feast. That's okay. Finally, you will say, okay. God is big enough to handle our biggest doubts and is not held hostage by our handicaps. Oh no, she writes. He cares and he welcomes all the doubts, the fears and the questions and frustrations. The grace is his. The choice is yours. God has given us a grace for us to accept it. Would you let him reach down into you? Otherwise, seem to be an awful pain in your life and wrench out a positive good for yourself and glory for him. Were you able to accept it and reach out to God for what is given to you? As I read her testimony in this way, I do realize I've gone through a lot, a lot. Fifty years, she still writes the reflections and how God has cherished her, encouraged her. I believe Johnny knows she can get her answer and peace from God. Knowing what happened to her can work out positive results ultimately glorify God. It's time for us to make some reflection, folks. I'm not sure how many of us have gone through this form of pain and struggle, struggle and issue that only you know. But don't forget, God knows too. He knows your struggle and your pain. You've got to be strong, and let God direct and guide you, you may not have an immediate answer. Somehow, I believe one day, you receive an answer from God. Keeping love, my advice to you and reflection is, keep loving and trusting God. Remember, His presence is always with us. His presence is always with us. And Paul writes in a beautiful testimony in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's Paul's testimony. He knows the life that he lives, he lived by the faith of the Son of God, who given himself for him. In conclusion, folks, it's Jesus Christ living in you that makes the difference. That's how you see yourself in the picture. It's Jesus Christ living in you. Make a reflection of that. Are we able to share and show Christ in us? As I say, not just by lip services, 
but what you can do, minister and demonstrate in your own life and to others. Amen. Let's pray. God our Father, we want to thank you for these reminders that come to us of your word. The book of Isaiah 43 verse 10 will say we are your witnesses. And true enough, with the personal encounter, we stay and remain a witness for you. So we pray for these dear ones who are here this morning for time of worship. We thank you for drawing us to you in a very special way and with special grace, helping us to go through our difficulties and our issues together. So we pray for these dear ones who are here this morning. They will be ministered to by your word and the encouragement come on the testimonies that we receive. So hold us, Lord, dearly in your heart that we know we always belong to you. As the scripture says, either we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. In Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen. I